Welcome to the Southland Podcast, a resource produced by Southland Christian Ministries located in Ringgold, Louisiana. We trust that this podcast will encourage and equip you in your walk with God. how fast time flies when you're having fun. And uh, I have really enjoyed uh, my time. This is this is my first time ever being at Southland. Probably will be my last because of the damage done, but that's okay. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take what we can get. So now I'm very thankful for uh, uh, Mike inviting me here. He's, he's, I think he was about ready to just quit on me. We, he had, he had, contacted me a few times and and he wanted me to you know come for a couple of other things it's like man I, i'm booked here and then well how about then i'm booked there and finally we were able to get this worked out and i'm saying so thankful that the lord has allowed that uh it's you know one of the one of the blessings of of the ministry of evangelism is that i as i get to travel i get to i get to meet christians from all different walks of life and in a very short period of time uh, I'm able to to build new friendships, and part of the the uniqueness and greatness of the faith is the commonality that we have in Christ, and that that bond that just so readily happens many times. Uh, I know that we're not necessarily always going to be best friends with every single believer because of sometimes personality differences and and what, but still, typically you you just have that 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 ability to to, to relate and to interact and to to appreciate one another in many ways, and so I'm thankful for that. I hope that this has been a a helpful time for you guys. I'm thankful for you giving up your time. I listen. I I really do appreciate the sacrifice that you guys have made to take time out of your schedules. Uh, I know that maybe you, you took some time off of work. You you, you had other plans that you could have uh, held to and done other things. And to take the time uh, these these last uh, couple of days or so um, does mean a lot. I, I appreciate that sacrifice. And so I, I hope that you leave you know, refreshed, encouraged, exhorted, and and ready uh, to can, uh, you know continue on for Christ. Um, this morning, I, I kind of want to piggy tail off of what I spoke uh, about last night in regards to manhood, and and it is going to be a little different of a message. I'm really not going to be preaching from a particular passage, and I know that's heretical, so please forgive me, um, uh, but. Here's what I want to to share from my heart with you guys this morning. We we were talking about defining what a real man is, what a godly man is last night. And I myself was renewed in in, in challenge uh, in regards to what I need to be, you know, as as a male, and that I need to continue to develop to be more of a godly man in these ways, that those really need to be the characteristics that, that define my life as a true man and as a man of God. But along with that understanding comes another burden that has been a part of my life for, for many years in the ministry, and that is that we need to see the upcoming generation of our young men get these concepts. I think one of the great sadnesses that I see all across the country is that there are young men that are growing up and guess what? They're, they're effeminate, they're weak, 
They're lazy. They're clueless, directionless. And you know who that falls on? Well, number one, it falls on us as parents. And secondly, I believe that it falls on us as Christian men who are attending church and we're around these other young men. And what I am wanting to propose to you this morning is that each of us men here would make a commitment to invest in other young men today. We're not going to go to specific passages, but listen, I'm going to name some men, and I want you to see some correlations here. Think of Moses and Joshua, right? Joshua took the reins from Moses, actually was the one to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And yet, as you read and you study, before that happened, what did Moses do? He took Moses and he worked with them. He mentored him. We don't know all that happened. We don't have a real long detail, but we know that there was a few things that, that in which Moses was working with Joshua, gave him opportunity to exercise leadership. He exhorted him, be strong and of a good courage. So he invested in him. Think of Elijah. We just spoke about Elijah and Elisha, right? God said, hey, you know what? Elijah, I'm not done with you, but guess what? I also need for you to invest yourself in the next upcoming prophet because you're not gonna be around forever. And so I want you to take this young man, Elisha, and I want you to begin to mentor him and engage your life in him so that he can follow in your steps and be my next prophet who serves me faithfully in Israel. And so Elijah did. Think about Eli and Samuel. Samuel committed to the Lord by his mom. And after he was old enough, went and Eli uh, invested in him. Now we know that Eli, and by the way, we know that, here's the, here's the great thing that encourages me. We know that Eli was not a perfect man. We know that Eli failed his sons. And we know that Eli probably didn't provide a, a great example in many respects to Samuel. But we do know this, that Eli was a man of God. He was doing the work of God and he was mentoring and investing in Samuel. Always think of, <laughs> man, I, I always kind of chuckle, you know, when I read the story of, of the Lord coming to Samuel. <laughs> Samuel, Samuel. <laughs> and, and, you know, Samuel runs to Eli. I'm here for you call me, you know, and he, you know, you, just, you know how it is. If you're a father and you've had your kids come in, you know, at one, two o'clock in the morning, you know, go away. <laughs> and, and I didn't call you. Get out of here. You know, second time, same thing. And, and then finally, Eli clues in a little bit. Speak, Lord, for thy servant hears. That's what you tell. That's what you say, Samuel, the next time you hear this voice. So we know that Eli invested in Samuel in different respects. Man, think about this next guy. Think about Barnabas. Think about Barnabas. I'll tell you what, guys. I, I don't know about you, but I think he's one of the most overlooked men of influence in Scripture. Look at who he invested in. Paul! I mean, come on! Paul, the apostle, considered one of the greatest men in all of Scripture, wrote the majority of the New Testament. And yet, 
a large reason for that? Barnabas. Barnabas taking a man who was a terrorist. A man who was responsible for many imprisonments and many deaths. Barnabas, a man that I think his knees were shaking a little bit when God told him, hey, you know what? I've got a guy for you to invest in. Who? Um, Lord, you, uh, okay. (laughs) And yet he did. And guess how we've been able to benefit from that. Look at how Barnabas invested in John Mark, a young man that Paul got really upset with. And he's like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done with you. You're a quitter. You're a, this is what my brother Brent would always, would always tell me when, when he'd be, uh, we, we were very competitive. That's probably impossible for you to understand, you know, understanding that I'm a very meek, mild, quiet personality, right? And, and so we, we, were, we were very competitive in, in, in my home. And, and, and Brent, man, he was four years older than me. So we'd be, we'd be having a competition of something, whether it was throwing knives at each other's feet or whether it was you know, playing some other kind of game or what, you know, whatever it was. And, and, and I would, I'd get real upset. I'd get really angry. I'd get upset and, I, and I'd start to quit. And he said, you know what you are, Scott? And I said, what? He said, you're a giver-upper. And ooh, you know what that did to me? It made me fighting mad. I am not, you know. But, but Paul was like, dude, you're a giver up or get out of here. And remember the contention that arose between Barnabas and Paul? And Barnabas says, listen, listen, there's potential. We just need to work with them. And he did. And look at the change that took place in John Mark's life. Look at Paul. How he invested. And we don't, even, we don't even know all of who he did, as well as these others. But we know he invested in Timothy, Titus, Onesimus, having a great impact in these lives. Men who were greatly used of God. Men who were one to the Lord. Onesimus, think of him and his life. And God used Paul in his life to turn him around, to come to the Lord and to, to go back to his master and to be a faithful Christian and servant. Think of Aquila and Priscilla who, talk, who took a very fervent, very eloquent young man, Paulus, and they instructed him. They mentored him. They helped him. And he further developed and was used of God in his ministry. So what we see here is a precedent for us today. That as we as men are struggling and working and developing and maturing in our lives, we need to take the opportunities to invest in other young men. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to look at some practical principles this morning in order to invest in these young men. And then I want to challenge you in a couple of ways. First of all, find a young man to invest in. Now, if you're a father and you have at least one son, you've already got it. But Fathers, don't just limit it to your sons. Find a young, another young man. 
Maybe it's a young man that goes to your church. Maybe it's a young man in your neighborhood. I was, man, this is, you talk about powerful guys. I was just in Minnesota the other day. I was in there, I was there for a, for a half week of meetings, went over to um, an elderly couple's home uh, for, for lunch. Sweet people love the Lord. They've got a lot of health issues now, so they can't really get out. They were only able to make it out to one service. They were so excited that they could. And they're just, just sweet, godly people. They're the ones that you just, you love to have in your church because they're supportive. They, they want to be involved. If they can and be involved, they are involved, but they were, we were sitting there and we were, we were just talking and this man, he started talking to me and telling me the story of, of how there was this, this young boy that, that right across the street that he saw, and he was like two or three years old, literally. And he saw this young boy come out and sit on, on the steps of his house. And he sat there for hours. And finally, this, you know, the, the wife said, hey, you need to go over and see what's going on with this little boy. And, and so he walked across the street. He said, Hey, he said, what you doing, buddy? I'm, I'm waiting for my dad. He's going to take me fishing. Well, his dad never showed up. His parents were divorced. His dad made a promise. From what I understand, he was a wretch. So you know what that gentleman did? He took that boy fishing. They got to know that family and he and his wife took that boy and because his mom had to work a full-time job to provide, they would bring that boy in. They would give him, they would, they would provide him food. They would let him sleep. In fact, he would, he would many nights, he would, he usually the, they would talk to him and, and he would crawl up in the bed with them in between them and he just talked to them and they would ask him how his day went and what he had learned and they'd pray with them. And you know what? They invested in that young man. And now I, I forget where he is, but he's a solid young man. Wow. Very powerful. Maybe it's a situation like that. But find a young man to invest in. They're all around us, guys. We see them every day, and, we, and yet we can many times just gloss right over them. Find a young man to invest in. Then secondly, interact regularly with them. I, listen, can I just tell you something? I, I'm not sure how it is with you when, when you were growing up, but... You know, it meant something to me as a young man, as a kid, when grown men would come up and talk to me. And when they would ask me questions about what was going on, you know, and, and what my interests were, you know. And, you know, when sometimes they might do something special for me out of the blue, like I, not that I expected it, not that I needed it, but, but just they would interact. Hey, you know what? Go get yourself a That's awesome. Wow. I remember pastors doing that. I remember other men in different churches as I traveled across the country with my family doing that. And you know what? That was such a huge blessing. It was a huge encouragement. And you know, guys, as you walk around and as you, as you are, are going around your church, don't neglect your young men. Don't say, well, this younger generation, they just don't, they just don't know how I came up and, and I don't know how they're, you know, I don't understand their generation and bless God, there just ain't nothing in common and so we can't talk, so we'll just kind of exist. That's, that's hogwash, guys. It's 
baloney. It's malarkey. It's stupid. Don't, don't do that. Listen, you don't, you have the commonality of Christ if they know Christ. And if they don't know Christ, you know what? You have a commonality in understanding where you were before you came to Christ. And you will know of their need. And guess what? That's a fantastic uh, starting point. Start to talk to them. Ask them how their week went. Hey, hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, dude, you... You know, you're looking a little down in the dumps today. What what happened? Someone hit you with the two by four or what? What's going on? Oh, man, I just. And by the way, man, you know, sometimes we need to understand. And maybe you were like this. I know this happened in my life. There were times where I felt like I couldn't talk to my dad. Not because my dad was mean and hateful. Not because he didn't have time for me. But But sometimes you just need a different ear to talk to. And because there were men that would do that, there were others that I could talk to. Man, what a blessing that was, that they would talk to me and they would ask me questions. So guys, interact with them, but not just, you know, not, this is not interaction. Hey, how you doing? That's not interaction. That's a greeting. That's all it is. Do more than that. Take it. And I'm not saying that you got to sit down for 10 hours with the kid, you know, and talk to him. It might be five minutes. It might be 20 minutes. It might be an hour here and there. But interact with them and interact with them regularly. By the way, just as a, man, this smacks me in the face, guys, as a father. But do you know that the, the, the typical amount of, of conversation, meaningful conversation between parents and their children is somewhere under five minutes a day? Guys, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm, I'm there. And it needs to change. Interact. Involve him, third of all, in your life as possible. What do I mean? What do you like to do when you've got free time? By the way, guys, <clears throat> can I just say something to you? If you don't have something in your life that can pull you away from the demands and the struggles and the burdens and cares of life. You're an idiot. Now, I know that's mean. Ask me if I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You know why I'm not sorry? Because, guys, as I've traveled around and as I've grown up and as I've experienced this in my own life, guys, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking out of ignorance. I'm talking because I've been there, all right? And I still have to guard myself on, on this. But when you're always working, and when you're all, and preachers, look at me. What You're the worst, and you know you're the worst. You don't take a day off. Shame on you. God set a precedent. Take a day off for crying out loud. You need it. Your wife needs it. Your family needs it. Take a day off for crying out loud. You guys have vacation time as pastors? Take it. And don't you dare let anybody make you feel bad about it. You need to draw apart before you fall apart. You take that time off. You need it, guys. I need it. You need to have something that breaks you away. A hobby an interest, right? 
that you love, that you enjoy. Maybe it's woodworking. Maybe it's, maybe it is hunting. Maybe it's uh, shooting. Maybe it's, you know, fishing. Maybe it's something else entirely. I, I don't know. I don't need to know really. But, but you know what? One of the great things is that you can take a young man and say, hey, you want to, you want to come, you want to come over to my place today? And hey, let's, I got a little, I got a little project we can do, you know? Or maybe, you know, I'm not always encouraged this, but, 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 you know, maybe you have a little work project that you can do. Nothing, maybe, and you, hey, you know, would you like to come over and help me out with this? I don't know what it might be, but it, involve him in your life occasionally with hobbies and pursuits and other things like that. It's a wonderful way to connect and it's a wonderful way that, that opens opportunity for, for more interaction and conversations and dealings with this young man. Here's the next thing. Talk to him about spiritual matters and biblical living. This is not about being a buddy. This is about being a godly man that's investing in another life, in another young man's life. And you know what, guys? If we don't talk about biblical matters, if we don't talk about about Godly living to these young men, where are they, you know, listen, should they be learning it at home? Absolutely. Should they be learning at church? Yes. But you know what helps to build on that and reinforce that? You talking to them about it. And by the way, there are some of these young men that are going to be in Christian homes and they are going to be coming to church or they might not go to church. They might not be saved, but you have the opportunity to interact with them and they don't know about these things. It's not being taught to them. And you might be one of the few sources to be able to tell them about what God's plans and what God's directions and what God's purposes and what God's guidelines are for their life. And as you teach that and as you share that, what an impact that has. That can shape, that can change the whole course of their life. Talk to them. Talk to them about the hard things, guys. Talk to him about morality. Talk to him about pornography. Talk to him about serving God. Talk, talk to him about the just, just, I mean, it's endless, guys. Just talk to him. Talk to him about different Bible things. Talk to him about prayer, which leads me to the next thing. Pray with him and pray for him. Hey, what can I pray for you this week? Okay, I, I will. And do it. Don't you dare say that you're going to do it and not do it, guys. But do more than just pray for him. Pray with him. Hey, come here. You know what we need to do? We need to take a couple moments and pray. All right? What can we pray about? Okay. You pray, and then I'll pray. You take a few moments of, of time to prayer. Guys, have you not? has your own heart not been blessed when you have had that happen? When you've had another guy, when you've had another man that has just come up alongside of you, say, hey, let's pray. We need to pray. There's something, there's something going. You know what? You know, let's let's praise God. Let's rejoice in God. This is this is a huge answer to prayer. And I'm so excited. I gotta pray with someone. Or man, this this is a serious situation. My heart's breaking. Man, we need to pray. Can range the gamut, right? But pray with him regularly. Interact with them in that way. Pray with him, pray for him. 
Here's something else to do. Number six, occasionally, occasionally, do something special for him. Do something out of the ordinary for him. Find out what some of his interests are, some of what his pursuits are, and then maybe occasionally invest some money to get him something that pertains to that. We're not, we're not talking about bribery. We're not talking about buying a, 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 a respect or a friendship. D- d- please don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm talking about. But guys, I don't know. Again, I, I'm, I'm talking from a lot of personal experience. I have, I have had guys... I've had guys come up and give me knives. By the way, I'm always more than willing. I love knives. You know, ARs, you know, we were talking about that. So um, I'll give you my address. We'll, we'll work that through my uh, FFL deal, dealer. Um, <clears throat> no, but you know what? I, I, I've had many people over the years as a young man and even to this day that have said, hey, listen, you know what? <sighs> Just something small, but I, I want to be a blessing to you this way. You know, Lord laid this on my heart and what a blessing, what an encouragement. Yes, it's something material. I get that. But man, how that can just encourage and spur you on in your life. Just the fact, so many times, it's not even the quality of the object. It's not the amount of of what they give you or, or of the price of what they've paid for the object. It's just the fact that they have considered you. They've thought about you and they care enough to do something for you in that way. It's impactful. I, listen, I, I remember, I, can, I could take you back, I could spend hours with you guys telling you of different places and different churches and different people that came up to me as a young man and did things like that for me. I mean, I can remember exactly where I was. It makes an impact, guys. It stands out. It's meaningful. It's a wonderful way to occasionally, I'm not saying every week, I'm not saying every month. I'm, I mean, you might, it might not even be every year for crying out loud, but every once in a while, occasionally do something special for them. And sometimes it's not even maybe necessarily buying them so, something, I mean, you know, that, that, that you just hand to them. Maybe it's say, hey, you know what? You like steak? Oh, by the way, wasn't that awesome last night? I mean, I wish I didn't have to preach last night so that I could have eaten more, but I mean, it was, that was awesome. And all of the meals have been great this week. I, I appreciate everything that's been done for us this week. But you know what? You say, hey, hey you like steak? Well, yeah. All right, come on. Ask, ask your parents if, if, if I can take you out and we're going to go get a steak. And by the way, guys, don't take this to some cheap, crummy place where you get some half-burned steak that is like a brick. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Don't be a cheapskate. This is investment, right? This is investment. Take them to a decent place that will get that that you know that they they will have a good steak, right? Hey, we're gonna have we're gonna have steak and potatoes. We're gonna have the all-American dinner, right? And we're gonna have a good time. You know what? You do something like that, what an investment. Here's the seventh principle. Hold him accountable. You're not supposed to be a buddy. You're supposed to be a mentor. You're supposed to be 
a discipler. You're supposed to be someone who's investing. And you know what that means? That sometimes we, us men, have to hold you guys, you young men, accountable for your smart mouths sometimes, for your bad attitude, for your disobedience, for your disrespect. I have a good friend, uh, Cody Bill knows him, Scott Kaufman. <laughs> Scott, Scott will regularly tell me this story. He says, man, he says, I was a young guy. I, I forget, he was a teenager. And he was just going through this period of time where he was being an absolute jerk. And I think all of us men can relate to that, right? I can probably relate more than a lot of you, but he, uh, <clears throat> he's being an absolute jerk. And there was an older gentleman in his church and the guy came up to him one, I believe it was one Sunday, and he grabbed Scott by his jacket and he pulled him and he shook him a little bit. He said, stop acting that way, you know? And he got in his face and he got firm with them and he told them, you're, you're wrong. You're totally wrong. You're not right with God. You're in sin. Stop doing that. Hey, you know what? We need to do that sometimes. We need to get in the face of these young men. Yes, lovingly, but firmly and say, hey, listen, I just saw what, how you reacted to your mom when she told you to do that. By the way, young man, look at me. Don't you dare disrespect your mom. I know because I've got three boys. And you know what one of my boys has a big problem with? Showing respect to his mother. You know why? He's getting older. He's getting bigger. He's getting stronger. He's getting more independent. And you know what he thinks? He thinks that he doesn't sometimes have to listen to his mom and that he doesn't always have to respect. And let me tell you something. He's almost gotten knocked clean out because of that. You respect your mom. She's one of your spiritual authorities. And just because she's a woman doesn't make her any less of a person. And fathers, you need to make sure that you're living that and teaching that, that she's not just some doormat that you walk over. You treat her with respect and with love and with honor. You hold her up. Man. And you don't let her ring, lead you around the nose like Cody does. You know, <laughs> yes, dear. Yes. No, I'm so kidding. He doesn't do that. I've been nice to Cody all this time. I got to give him a little hard time. And by the way, man, don't you do that. Don't you let your wives lead you through the nose. You're the leadership. Okay? You can be kind. You can be loving. But don't you let your wife wear the pants in your house. I'm not talking about physical pants. You know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> Come on. I'm talking about don't let them be the leadership. You cooperate together, you honor her, you respect her, you engage her life in, in your role as a husband and, and as a father. But you provide the example to these young men. Sometimes that may mean you have to go up and say, hey, I saw what you just said to your mom. You're wrong. You are in sin. Don't you even think about worshiping God in this church today until you've gone to your mom and you made that right. And if you're not going to get that right, you leave. Just leave. Because you know what? You're wasting your time. And more importantly, you're wasting God's time. Sometimes you're going to have to hold them accountable in a more positive way. Hey, 
you know what? Tell me, tell me what you've been reading in, in, in your devotions lately. Man, that's awesome. That's great. Man, I'm glad that you learned that. Fantastic. So how are you trying to live out that truth this week? Right? Hold them accountable. Hold them accountable in all kinds of different ways in regards to their, to their daily living, some practical realms, as well as the spiritual realms, right? Hold them accountable. Eighth, be an example. Be an example. But I'm going to put on a tag. But also be transparent. You know, I've been around preachers and I've been around other men who are untouchable. Meaning every hair is in place. There's not a wrinkle on the shirt. They have their act together. Nothing ever goes wrong in their lives, at least seemingly, which is balderdash, right? Guys, we are to be a godly example in many different ways, but we also need to let these guys know that we are human. And when we make a mistake and they see that mistake, we need to say, hey, you know what? I messed up. I was a bad example to you today. I let my temper get the better of me. And that's wrong. And I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask God's forgiveness, but I also want to make that right with you. Sometimes you're going to have to be transparent as you're dealing with them about a matter and say, hey, can I, can I just be honest with you? I've struggled with the same exact problem. And this is this this is this was a battle. And let me tell you something. I've got scars from this. Physical scars. Spiritual scars. And so I want you to understand, I know how you feel. And I know that you feel maybe trapped or you feel like you're a loser and that you're never going to amount to anything, but I want you to know by the grace of God in his word you can overcome this. And yeah, you know what? You may have made a mistake already here or there. And yeah, you'll have some scars, but you know what? You can live with scars and you can move on and you can do right. And by the way, this is not an excuse for you just to continue in this way. It's never too late to do right. Okay. And, and, and maybe that's part of the example that you set before him, right? Be an example, guys. People are watching, just like I, I told you the other night. I would have never dreamed that young lady at Tri-City was watching me that entire that entire week. A very young girl. I never, I never would have, have thought that that taking the time to 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 do this devotional that, that you know, along with everything else that was going on and 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 how God would use that. But you know, when we are seeking to be an example, seeking to be consistent and faithful. God uses that. Now, here's the last thing that I want to touch in, touch on. Get young men involved in your church ministry. And that by that, I mean more than just 
what they can do in the youth group. If you have a youth group, they should be involved. But you know what? There's a whole lot more that our young men should have the opportunity to do to be engaged. Let me, let me, can I get on a soapbox for a minute? Thank you very much. Okay. Here's a very big pet peeve of mine. It's been a pet peeve for a long time. I have heard so many hundreds of messages preached to young people about surrendering to the Lord and giving your life to the Lord. God, whatever you want, I'll do. And God, I'm going to live for you. And God, I'm going to serve you. Be a servant, we say. Be a servant, we preach. Now, let me ask you something. Should we be teaching that? Should we be preaching that? You better believe we ought to. It's the Bible. And then what happens? Here's what happens. I've seen this over and over again. So we've got young people that are tender. And they say, okay, I will, I will, I will surrender. I will commit to serving. I want that. And they're genuine and they mean it. And they, they make this decision and they might even tell us about it. And you know what we do? We say, bless God. Okay. Now, wait until you're in college and then you make sure that you really start living for the Lord. We don't necessarily say that, but that's what we're preaching because we don't then turn around and give them opportunities to serve in our church. Well, they, they might make a mistake. When did you not make a mistake? Let them drop the stupid offering plate. They can pick up the offering. Let them hold the doors for people. Maybe they will smack someone accidentally by the door, shutting on them. They, the people can get over it. Build a bridge and get over it. Let them serve. Give them opportunities. Let them help in the sound booth. You got a sound booth in church? Teach them, train them. You got, you got stuff that you use with computers and whatnot? Hey, teach them. They probably know more about it than you do anyways. I know my boys do. And I'm like, I belong back about 150 years ago when it comes to technology, okay? I'm just, I'm not very good with it. My boys, man, they, they can figure all kinds of stuff out with it. Get them involved. Get them involved on your grounds crew. You know? Well, I don't know how to use a weed eater. Well, good. That's awesome. Guess what? You're going to learn how. Let's go out. Come on. Here you go. Here's what you put in it. Here's how you prime it. Here's how you start it. Don't put your foot there. That's going to hurt real bad. Okay? You know what I'm saying? And you teach them. You teach them. And then you say, okay, here, go have fun. Well, well, if I let these guys go out and cut the grass and I let them and, and I let them weed eat, you know what? The it's not gonna all be even. It's not gonna look, look uniform. And we're gonna have bald spots in some places because they put the mowing deck a little bit too low, and we're gonna have three feet of chunked up ground. And people aren't gonna like that. So what? It's stupid ground. You're teaching the guy how to serve the Lord. You're giving him the opportunity to have an impact. Who cares about your stupid grounds? Doesn't need to be pristine. I'm not talking we need to look like slobs. You know what I'm saying, guys? 
But we are more, sometimes we are more concerned about appearances and we're more concerned about, well, everything's got to be just right. Rather than being concerned about getting good young men who may really have a true love and a desire to be teachable and a desire to be used and they've even committed, we're, we're more concerned about these appearances and all these things that would be right than actually getting them evolved in practical ways so that they will have a taste that is developed in their lives at a very young age so that they'll go on and serve God and pass that on to the next generation. Pastors, get them involved. You who are laymen in the church, look to get them involved. If you do something at church, I mean, check with your pastor, obviously. I mean, I know we can't have our young men teaching Sunday school classes. Okay? That could be very, very problematic, right? It's bad enough with some of your other people, your adults in church sometime, you know, and letting them teach, you know? There has to be some discernment. I understand there has to be discernment. They can't do everything in the church. I know that. I know that. But maybe you say, hey, you know what? Come, let's, I want, let's go talk to the pastor. Hey, can, you know, can Johnny Boy, can he help me out today? I think that'd be all right. Okay, great. Get them involved. Create that taste. Let them see that, that good Christian men can serve without being preachers because not every guy is supposed to be a preacher. And if you're not a preacher, that's okay. You can, listen, by the way, can I just say something? You can have a desire and you can have a burden and you can have a yieldedness to be a preacher. That doesn't necessarily mean that you are supposed to be a preacher. Okay? God may not open those doors for you to clearly step through. That does not make you any less of a Christian. And you might need to actually surrender and say, you know what, God, this is, I, I have the desire, I have, but, but, but God, you've not been opening these doors and there's been these different things that have closed on me. And, and so God, you know what? I'm just gonna commit to serving you faithfully with my talents and my abilities here in this church and in my community. And, and God, I just want you to get the glory. That's what our young men need to see. We need our churches to be filled with men that are serving God actively. And one of the ways that happens is by reproduction. And the way that reproduction happens is that men, that fathers, invest in young men and they get them involved in their churches. We see this age, right? We're, we're complaining about, about how our world is crashing in, yet we're, we shouldn't be surprised, right? Because the Bible tells us that the world's going to grow wax and w wax worse and worse. And yet we kind of develop this, you know, put your head in the sand mentality and we're, oh, woe is me. And yet we're not doing anything about it. And one of the ways that we could be doing something about it is by interacting and investing in our young men in these different ways. So guys, Here's the challenge for you, and here's the challenge for me today. If you have a son or you have sons, invest in them in these ways. It's going to take time. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take work. It's going to be tough. Invest in your sons. But every single one of us should also seek, as a man, who has the capability to do so, to invest in at least one other young man. There's a, there's a young man at my home church right now. His name's Ethan, and I love Ethan. He's a great young man. I think he's about 21 years of age, single young man, hardworking kid, 
hardworking guy. And yet, he's kind of a, he's a little bit of a loner, doesn't really, doesn't really have many friends. And you know what? I've like, I've just, I've just zeroed in on him. I mean, I got the crosshairs right on him, you know? I'm like, okay, he's mine. And you know what? I've started to invest in this young man in some different ways. And it's so awesome to see how God is using some of these things. He's so thankful. He's appreciative. He's, he's getting further and further engaged in our local church ministry. And I'm not saying that's all on account of me. Please don't misunderstand me. But I'm telling you what, it is such a wonderful, fulfilling thing to be able to invest in another young man and to see him taking steps. Guys, would you commit today to not only just investing in your sons like you should if you have a son, but that you would also invest in at least one other young man. And then as you have an opportunity, another opportunity, invest in another young man as that time comes and so on and so forth. But guys, we should want to be godly men and we should want to see these young guys become godly men. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. It is our prayer that you would know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have never experienced salvation through Christ alone, would you please reach out to us? You can contact us through our website at www.southlandcamp.org or call our camp office at 318-894-9154. See you next time on the Southland Podcast.